Hi, everyone, and welcome to Extemporaneous. This is a podcast where I come up with an idea. I do some research. I grab a bottle of wine. I bring everything to Mark, and he pontificates. Tonight's episode is a retrospective. It's like those episodes we used to watch in the 1970s and 80s, like a very Brady episode. Here's really what they were doing. They were tired. Everyone was exhausted. They had been working at their podcast for 36 weeks. And then they decided, I need a fucking week off, but I can't take a week off. And so then they said, hmm, here's what we'll do. We'll just snip together all kinds of snips from previous episodes and call it a very special episode. And this is our very Brady episode of Extemporaneous. We thank you very much for coming back and listening to us each week. We would really appreciate it. If you like us, share us with a friend. Hi, Mark Snedeker. Hi, Christina LaRusso. You know what I have to say about this? <laughs> this is like... It's when, your idea, my guy. I know. Well, I'm a, you know, I'm a genius. So this is like getting a bowl of Lucky Charms, but only the marshmallows. Only the marshmallows. <laughs> oh my God, that's 100 percent true. I know. Oh my God, that would. There's be gonna be so, so many marshmallows. Do you, you know? Guys? I think you can order that actually, like from you Amazon. Can, and it's really bad for you, probably. Oh my God, but and so I feel delish. like after like two bites, I'll be like, okay, that's super enough. I mean, it was exciting I mean, for a you second. Need, you need some of the oat. You need the crunch. You need the Some bland of crunch. crunch of the oat. Is it oat? It's like dog food, it's really. It's like oat. Yeah, it's like oat-based dog food, so and, but it, it, it's everyone. a nice counterpoint to the mushroom. To the mushrooms. <laughs> to, the mushrooms. <laughs> to the mushrooms. Yeah, you're like, Mark wow, this is the worst. Like this is the worst cereal I've ever heard of. It's like mushroom and oats. What the fuck? <laughs> so, so what you are describing is what is called a clips episode. A clips episode. And in order to have a clips episode, mm-hmm. you must have a frame story, okay. which is basically the excuse that the writers come up with to be bankrupt creatively. creatively. All right, hang on. So, hang, hang on. Hang on, Mark. No one can see this because this is not a visual medium. Right. But I'm about to do something here. Why are you fucking with my hat? Because, hang on. Everyone, hold on. Why are you throwing a hat at me? Because you just got knocked out. Oh, my God. Mark appears to be in a coma. He'll probably never <laughs> podcast again. Christina, how do you feel about that? She's I like, totally, I feel pretty good. I totally nailed him right in the yeah, head, everyone. Fucked up. <laughs> All right, so anyway. Uh, Mark is now in a Mark coma. Mark from Ark is now in a coma, so we may never podcast again. So let's look at some of the great podcasting moments we've had in the past. Let's go back to the beginning. Mark. Episode one, cancel culture. We uh, recorded that over a short period of 39 weeks, <laughs> I think. Every time we were like anywhere near each other, she's like, okay, let's record. I'm like, okay, but we've been recording this for like 11,000 hours. And you're like, nope, one more time. It was 11,000 million. Yeah, let's keep practicing. So I, this is thing is, I mean, it was a, it's, first of all, it's a feat of engineering here well, that you managed to create some kind of coherent episode out of that many takes. No. What happened is if you listen to episode one and we, we keep it up, we could, we could remove it, but we aren't. Um, so we could remove it. We're keeping it up because we will like to, at some point, go back and listen to it and say, in the days of yore. That yeah. is what we sounded like. When we didn't know how sound worked. <laughs> well. <laughs> or what things, what, you know, how to record things all right. electronically. But that episode was 24 minutes whittled down from legit 
like thousands of minutes. No, it was many, many hours of practice podcasts. Yeah. And we, we, at a certain point, we said, okay, we've got everything put together. We're going to just, we're going to put this out. So if you listen to that first episode, it's a very rough episode. We were very funny. (laughs) And, uh, well, Mark was. And we, we did good work there. It wasn't stupid content. No. It was just bad editing, which is my own fault. Well, we were learning as we went. We really were. All right, so what are we saying? We say that it is effective. It, it is effective because Boycotting. of corporate cowardice. Corporate cowardice. Oh, wow. Okay. Because I so, don't believe for a second that any of these corporations are dropping these controversial shows, celebrities, athletes, whatever, mm-hmm. out of a sense of conscience, right? Okay. Because it's a company. They don't really have conscience. All they have is devotion to the bottom line and not even that it's devotion to their quarterly earnings so that's what they care about and they're not nobody is like unless it's a private family-owned company or something none of these guys are saying we have to drop bill o'reilly because he's a shithead it's we have to drop bill o'reilly because we don't want to be associated with that shithead and we might lose money political shift cha wait what are the sting sting getting stabbed do it Ow! uh prince getting stabbed Michael Jackson getting stabbed. Oh! Who else do we have? Um, uh, Billy Idol. Billy Idol getting stabbed. Ow! ow! <laughs> it's so That's good. Right. I got stabbed. Ow! ow! <laughs> wow! Oh, you're so eighties. All right, you ready? Political shift or right, split? So culture is a tool. It's a name given to the tool used by the left for trying to achieve social justice, et cetera. Yes. Okay. I don't feel like the right employs this tool at all, does well, it? You're, you're more politically tuned in than I am. Almost always, if there's a phenomenon on one side of the spectrum, there's a similar phenomenon on the other side. What right? is it, though, Donald Trump tweeting? Clearly, they're not trying to cancel people in the sense that you know we see from the left, but they're definitely employing social media to try to achieve their goals, shame people that they find uh, objectionable. For example, mm-hmm. Nancy Pelosi got a haircut during uh, in California where they have fairly strict rules about shutdowns of salons, etc., and she got caught. I thought that happened a while ago where she and then she claimed that she was set up. Right, that is correct. She did. Because claim her that. salon owner was a secret Republican. Possibly. What I want to do is kind of go to the next episode where we had kind of low listenership. It was basically you, me, and my siblings. (laughs) No, it wasn't. It was like 40 people. Oh, yeah. So it was our take on the uh, Governor Cuomo uh, scandal. And uh, it's one I think, of our lower numbers. I think of we a had a lot of listeners downloads. who are Cuomo fans and it made them sad to think about uh, his downfall, which, by the way, it still hasn't happened. <laughs> Just a quick update. Uh, apparently nothing is happening to Governor Cuomo. 
as it shouldn't until well, there's a full investigation. Right, but that investigation has been going for like 19 months. Which is exactly what we said in the episode. Honestly, our, our, our listeners tend to skew liberal, but we welcome anyone. And if you have a different opinion, share it. Come to the Facebook group and say, hey, you guys, you're not right. But here's why. But here's the part of the Cuomo episode that I like the best. Was it where I made the 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 uh, Weezer joke? Yes. <laughs> uh, no, but I think that no, I think Al Franken. I think that there there's a move to rehabilitate him, and I think he's right. I think he's going to come back from that. I honestly do. I really, really do. So to put this into perspective, yes, I've been thinking, <laughs> which is always dangerous. Okay, but not only has Governor Cuomo risked his political future mm-hmm. the governorship of new york yes but he has also slid dangerously low in the hierarchy of cuomos okay <laughs> so it used the to hierarchy be hierarchy of cuomos yes it used to be you know governor cuomo uh-huh. his dad mario uh-huh. his his journalist brother chris i mean and then the lead singer of weezer <laughs> <laughs> now Governor Cuomo's clearly Andrew's down in fourth place. Mm-hmm. He's below the lead singer of Weezer. I feel like honestly, Chris should be below the lead singer of Weezer too. Maybe so. So then now it's Mario, Rivers, Chris, and Andrew. Andrew, wow. So he's a heartbeat away from being <laughs> at the top of the Cuomo ladder, and his competition is dead. Yeah. So I mean, Rivers Cuomo for governor, maybe. Oh, my God. I was wondering. Yeah. Because before I was speculating, like, who had, who who, who stood to really gain from it. It was always Rivers. It was Rivers Cuomo. Oh, my God. (laughs) He has made his move. And now feel his wrath. Guys, he's he is like a dark horse. He is. Holy cow, Rivers Cuomo. Great glasses. Nice. That guy. Nice. Uh, Now, let's. We've talked a little bit in a couple of our TikToks about some of our 80s music things. Yeah, those crushed, by the way. People love the 80s music. Everyone loved the 80s music episodes. Maybe we should just turn this entire podcast into us talking about 80s music. (laughs) Maybe we should just... You could bring in your friend. Start... Oh, Beth. Yeah, we could bring her in and we could just like... Do nothing but talk about 80s music. Oh, well, all you would have to do is bring in my friend. Yeah. I would And I would just, we just like start the podcast. Like, dig, if you will, a picture. picture. You and I engaged in a podcast. (laughs) And then we go from there. (laughs) That would be the name of the episode. You and I engaged in a podcast. (laughs) Beth Gessert. Calling Beth Gessert. Um, So, what we need to talk about, though, is that. The 80s episodes, all of them killed it, except for, except for one. Which one? Oh, the rap one. Which was, by the way, my favorite. Which was really good. It was great. Because I knew nothing about it, so I actually had to do yeah, real research. Yeah, you had to do some serious work. I had to really do some research. And we did. We had, like, you know, Run you guys, DMC, what is happening? Bismarcky, is it... and... Uh... I mean, like, we were way into the origins of rap. I have come to the conclusion, and it's not just my own conclusion, it was mentioned multiple times. Rap is and, and hip hop are really it's really a world music. 
because of the really mm-hmm, because of the like the Jamaican Africa influence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, see, there you go. A little depth yeah. of well, okay, that wasn't really depth of knowledge. Come on, everybody knows that. Yeah. But yeah, so tell me, tell me more, well, Christina. Um, it really starts kind of 1973. Would wow. you be surprised to learn that's that a it goes little that earlier than I would have guessed? Yeah. But yeah, I like it. They there are some folks who claim that that perhaps one of the first raps was called "Here Comes the Judge" by an artist. You mean from the uh, Laugh In show? No, but it was it was called "Here Comes the Judge." It's from 1968. Yeah. So I mean, kind of around. The I mean, same. Do, you, do do you know the Laugh In bit that I'm talking yeah, about? No, of course Here I come know. Here comes the judge. Here comes the judge. Order yeah. in a courtroom. Here comes the judge. Yes, I. Do. It was very racist. I think. <laughs> no, I know, but okay. So there's a song, but his name is Pig Meat Markham. I like the name. And it's called Here I mean, Comes. So. I would say to pig meat, though, did you ever consider just calling yourself bacon <laughs> or pork? Pig meat is not good, great marketing from a butchery standpoint. I mean, if, if I'm if I own a butcher shop, I'm going to call it pork, not pig meat. Right? Like it's beef, not cow flesh. So just saying now chicken is chicken. So go figure that no, one. No, but chicken is also fowl. It is and poultry. So and then interestingly enough, so there's pig meat Markham. Pig. <laughs> pig. Honestly, I'm about ready to go listen to some pig meat Markham. Oh, guess what? I'm yeah. gonna be putting a little oh, sample fuck in. Fuck yeah, so. you are. Is now in session. His honor, Judge Pig Meat Markham Besiden. Yeah, he's the cold up swing. It's just about ready to do that thing. I don't want no tears. I don't want no lies. Above all, I don't want no alibis. This judge is hip, and that ain't all. He'll give you time if you're big or small. Fall in line of this cold is me. Peace, brother. Well, here comes the judge. Here comes the judge. Guess what? Um, wait, wait, wait. Don't tell me. There is also... You have... A familial connection with someone who is is credited frequently with one of the very first rap albums. What? <laughs> Are you sure? No, well, not you personally, but uh, Leah. Muhammad Ali. <laughs> it was it the um, his spoken word album. His spoken word album, of course, yes. because you know, I'm so fast. <laughs> I could I could flip the light switch and be in bed before the room gets dark. Yes. <laughs> I'm the I'm the greatest. So okay, so I'm going to tell the story now. Mm-hmm. Have to. So when I was in, we lived in Germany at the time. I was in grade school. I think I was like fifth or sixth grade, mm-hmm. and Leah was in first grade. So I guess I was sixth grade, whatever it was. Anyway, Muhammad Ali came to our school mm-hmm. and spoke, mm-hmm. and it was some kind of you know uh, stay in school bullshit thing, whatever. And he was uh, on a big truck bed at the uh, one end of the lawn. And then all the school kids were sitting on the lawn in front of him. And all the first graders are up front and then, you know, older kids to the back. Mm -hmm. And at a certain point, he invites some of the young kids to come up and fight him. And you guys, if you know, if you would ever meet Leah, you would be 100%. You'd be like totally tracks. Yeah. If you were like... All right, you invite Lita up on a truck to fight somebody. This is going to go south. Okay. She's not going to stick to the script. So Muhammad Ali's like shadow boxing some of these kids. My sister Leah, by the way, uh, however old you are in first grade, seven or something, runs around the back and punches Muhammad Ali in the ass. So 
I know she is. I know she has drunk on that story for her entire life. So good. Every bar she goes to, I'm sure she said, "Did you know I punched Muhammad Ali in the ass?" <laughs> oh, really? Let me hear about it. Would you like a vodka tonic? Yeah, great. Or whatever she drank back then, uh, fuzzy navels, probably, or some bullshit. So let's go back to one of our most popular episodes. Okay, which is uh, incel cult, incel yes. bop, incel bop. Which, by the way, the uh, title was based on a kind of on-the-fly joke I made about uh, a song about uh, incel uh, cultures. And based on um, an author. He's an economist at George Mason University, and he wrote a blog about... It's so weird because blogs are so, like, 20 years ago. Yeah, they really are. Like, if he was really <laughs> active, Even vlogs he, aren't he, that he'd be, yeah. he'd be on TikTok now. He's right. doing one minute He'd just, he'd just be like, snips. you know, uh, let me talk about insult culture and let me hit the woe. <laughs> no. They he, don't even hit the woe anymore, by the way. No one does that. But he would have been... Um, That's so four months ago. <laughs> it was it's like, now you do this one. Eh. Oh yeah, put your dick yeah. in your mouth, and then they yeah. do. Wow, this. okay, that's a little what's more that, than we what's expected. What's that sound? And that was because Robin Hansen, who you thought. Might have been a handsome brother. That's right. Or father. Yes. I thought it was, she, it was definitely, he was involved in the Hanson family somehow. So there's this concept that I find particularly disturbing, and it's sort of, it's enforced monogamy or sexual redistribution. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> which is um, these, these guys who are not getting sex say that in some way women should be controlled in a way that they are forced into relationships with men just across right. the board. So they have this entitlement now mm-hmm. to have sex. Many of these guys talk about their physical appearance and they they right. they're there for like the radical honesty. They they they'll like post photos of themselves and let everybody rate them yeah. and you know like you're 5 or below. Right. You know um a lot of it is tied to their height and if you're 5 8 or taller, you kind of eke it out. But if you're under five eight, Sweet. <laughs> you are you're in trouble because no one's going to be interested in you. Right. That's not necessarily. Yeah, you wrong. know what women want? They want a decent guy. But they right? want a guy who's a good guy. And, yeah. And I think that uh, you know now there are very there are certain women who themselves are entitled who feel that because of their good looks or whatever it is that they think that they have on offer that they do deserve some kind of adonis or whatever else and i mean well, okay I mean, fair you're enough attracted you know, to like, what you're attracted like to. finds like yeah. and you just have to understand where you fall in that with a lot of these guys it seems to me are what they are and they can be honest with that about themselves but they can't be honest with the fact that they then should be shopping in the five or under range. Right. Stay in your lane, right? I exactly. Mean. <laughs> and it's sort of like, I think you'd be more successful if you were willing to, to pursue women who were, you know, where you're not. Um, Look, you're not going to. Okay. You, you can find somebody who is who you like and you're attracted to. But guess what? If you If you have no money and you're not attractive and you have no job. 
probably not going to pull the Instagram model, right? No. I mean, it's just that's just. I mean, maybe it's unfair. Who knows? Who cares? That's just how it is. But guess what? You don't want the Instagram model because they don't want you. I don't really understand people who want to have someone that doesn't want them. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Like if you were issued a sex partner, that person, chances are, doesn't want you, right? They're being forced to do it because of whatever government regulation or whatever. I mean, it's been lent some credence by there's some creative reading between the lines of things that Jordan Peterson has said. And here again, you know, Jordan Peterson, I found his lectures on psychology to be very interesting. And I, I bumped up against him in that way. But more and more, I start running into him and his name being mentioned in a lot of these darker things. Yeah. Like, like, like his, some of the stuff that he talks about resonates very well right. within the, these kinds of communities. With the kind of alt-right, alt-right incel, like, yeah, these, whatever. Yeah, these guys where they feel like, you know, he's the dad they never had yeah. or yeah. should have never I'll had. I'll be honest, I think he is okay with that. Yeah, and he may be, but there's a, there's a, infamous blog post by Robin Hansen, who was a J, uh, who's a George was Mason it, is University. He one of, is he the Umbop guy? In, in, no, no, that's, that's a Hansen. Brother. But he could be one of the Hansons. No, he's a... <laughs> Do you know for a fact he's not a part of that group? No. So he might be. Could be. I mean, if they became... Could be pop star slash economist. At George Mason University. Yeah, it could be. Um, or maybe he's their dad or yeah, something. Yeah, it could be. So um, he he wrote a blog post and, and suggested in that pl- that post that involuntary celibacy and sexual inequality in general could be fixed and violence reduced if we as a society set out to redistribute sex more Oh, equally. my God. That is the dumbest fucking thing I've ever heard in my whole life. That guy's a fucking so idiot. So he's essentially saying if more guys got laid. Yeah. Okay. Look. Again, the problem with that is you are basically going to have to enforce sexual slavery. Right. Which and is the dumbest fucking thing it, I've yeah, ever no heard. No one would be happy. The violence then would would there yeah. would be fucking violence. You let know me what? tell you. I'm gonna mm, bop be, this guy right on the uh, right on the beak if I ever be meet a, him. There would be like a lot of Lorena Bobbitt activity yeah. happening. Yeah. That. So basically you transfer the problem from these guys who aren't having sex to now women who are having sex with guys they don't want. What could possibly go wrong? One of the uh, great episodes that I feel we had. Of all time. Was, was it when I fought the Fonz? Was and we, we, we touched thumbs and like this glowing light came out of it? <laughs> was, that, was that the episode you were thinking of? No. <laughs> I was thinking about you. And Matthew Snedeker. Oh, yes. I know that kid. Uh, That was your son. Yeah, well, he still is. And we had Matt on to talk about film. Matt has an amazing, and we will put it in our Facebook as a reminder, and also in these episode notes, his link to his um, film page. We are going to be, at some point in the near future, producing, hopefully, um a under our conceptual ozone umbrella company yes a podcast that will be featuring matt talking about film yes he's quite knowledgeable he's put together a uh, a rating site with a proprietary algorithm that incorporates 
critic reviews, popular reception, awards given, and I think box office, and comes up with what the top thousand movies are, ever. He's very brilliant. He has amazing scope of who he's watching, and he's he's doing a great job. So we are very excited to hopefully begin producing in the near future a podcast that will be discussing these kinds of movies. And it's gonna it's not going to be just your usual. It's not going to be the usual suspects. Everyone. No, these are going to be you know. It's not just going to be your Godfather. One of the things that he brought up in our film episode, which I think is a very interesting take on this particular movie. It was a part of our 80s arc, so we were looking at 80s films, and his film choice was Ferris Bueller. Which, great movie. And everybody thinks Ferris Bueller's Day Off is about Ferris Bueller. Right. But he pointed out, it's really Cameron's journey. And I think that Ferris Bueller sort of falls in that world where it's such a it's such a movie, you know, it's a, it's such a, it's such a fairy tale, honestly. Like that's, that's the main thing that it, it sort of gets to that like storytelling structure where it's almost like um, th- these coming of age movies become like little myths that you're telling. And I think that Ferris Bueller sort of falls squarely in there. I remember when I was in uh, 11th grade, we had to do a project on the hero's journey where we had to make a little sort of video essay on a piece of media and a hero's journey um, within there. And I did mine on the arc of Cameron within Ferris Bueller's Day Off um, because of of sort of how he follows the hero's journey within the movie, um, within that context of the whole coming of age thing. And I think that it just it it works so well within the context of all of those um, those 80s movies, those coming of age movies that that follow that archetype. It's it's. Yeah, I don't know. And and it was weird to sort of come out of it and be like, hey, wait, Cameron might actually be the the hero of this movie. Like Ferris is kind of just like the wizard that takes him on this little journey. Well, and I everything. think there's some very, very good foreshadowing uh, of that when Ferris calls Cameron when he's, you know, at home sick and he sings the uh, Moses uh, spiritual, right? When Cameron was in Egypt's land, let my Cameron go. So this is his journey from, you know, I guess, Pharaoh. Uh, I, I'm not going to extend it as far as to say he parted the Red Sea by falling in the pool or anything like that. I think that that was a good foreshadowing of the fact that, hey, this is really Cameron's journey, right? From you know, being so tight that you could stick a lump of coal up his ass and it would become a diamond to kind of, you know, an acceptance of his fate and, you know, wanting to uh, kind of uh, loosen up a little bit, baby. Well, and yeah, settle and the I score think, with his dad. Right. Exactly. And I, and I think more than anything, for me, it sort of feels like it falls into those, it falls into a, a, a kind of movie that was made in the 80s, maybe rather than like 80s culture or something like that. But I think even even if you look at it in that sense, you know, it's very, it pushes back against a lot of that stuff, right? It's very much the same as uh, Breaking 2, Electric Boogaloo. Uh, it's a, it's it's got an anti-consumerist sort of bent that runs through it, right? Um, as a bit, yeah. Maybe, as much as it's maybe a bit of a muddled message, there's definitely a lot of, you know, you know, work outside the lines, you know, maybe the, this, the industrialized school system may not be for everybody sort of thing, right? 
Um, take a moment, you know. Yeah, exactly. Take a, take a moment, stare at a picture, you know, don't go to school today. Don't go to work today. You know, take some time for yourself outside of the machine and oh, reflect because you need yeah. it. That was one of the best parts of this podcast. Absolutely. By far. I, I really believe that. Okay. So here's one of the episodes that I think deserves a, a bit little more bit attention. More play. Because it's tough because it does talk about the uh, naked body of an ugly fat guy. <laughs> so, I mean, <laughs> not to body not shame here, you, Jeffrey, shame. but shame on you but, <laughs> and your body. I mean, we didn't understand because we did that episode the very, like, literally two days after that scandal broke. Yes. And it was a bonus episode, everyone. But we thought... Yeah. And not a boner episode. No. <laughs> no. Because as far as we know. Well, I mean, he did. But I mean, I didn't see the film. It so, wasn't I mean, I didn't see the boner. video. So. But what I have to say is that we jumped on that because it was very timely <laughs> and we were new. And yeah. we were hoping that everyone would just be like, catch wow. Fire. Yeah. Oh, my God. How topical. And did it? Not so much. <laughs> it, I mean, it caught on fire in the same way as maybe a, a small boat does 100 yards from shore and then sinks. So, <laughs> or possibly it wasn't even like a Viking funeral fire. It was just like a small fire that, you know, destroyed the boat. You're missing out. Because it's a it funny was, ass it's episode. A really funny episode, and it had some stuff to do with Jeffrey Tubin, but we went for everyone. Yeah. Whoever exposed himself or was a twat waffle. Pee Wee Herman, Matt Lauer. Matt Lauer, especially. Matt Lauer. Right. We've talked about. Who's probably one of the more egregious, I think, yeah. violators here. Literally violators. Yeah. Because he would invite like interns or producers or whatever women into his office. I don't remember if he had an automatic lock and possibly he iron, did. iron he bars. Had, you know, he had yeah. the, the lock under his, it was like a fucking panic room. Yeah. So he like, he would hit the thing for the automatic lock. Then the iron bars would come down and chains would snake out and wrap around their legs. And then he would take his clothes off, right? And he would start to, with the hopes of seducing them, I guess. I mean, honestly, get some game a little bit, Matt. You know, like you're a rich guy, good looking. You could probably do better than that. I do not think Matt Lauer is good looking. I never well, thought Matt Lauer I mean, was good looking. I mean, before he lost all of his hair. No, even before he lost his really? hair. I always thought he was like a snaky, kind of creepy looking dude. Oh, okay. Well. Never was into Matt Lauer. I don't, I can't even tell you any, the, oh God, oddly enough, this is, this is typically me, Right. The the guy that I thought was super cute, Shepard Smith, very gay. Oh yeah. So, well, but I mean, you're not the first woman to have that problem. I mean, right? I just like, oh. like see, I think Shep, because Shepard has dark hair and he's good. Yeah. You know, that's my kind of like that's my vibe. But so so I mean, did you say the uh, classic? Uh, Oh, what a waste. No, no, I would never say such a thing. Oh, okay. Mm-mm. No, I would never I, say such a thing because that's not a waste. I mean, he's going to go to a great guy at some point. You know, that's that's I not mean, that's never a waste. No, 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 no. I just I just always kind of think it's like with um Dan Levy. T gay? Oh my god, I love Dan Levy. So gorgeous. I'm so happy for whoever ends up in a relationship with Dan Levy. Yeah. He is so gorgeous and he is so Fucking smart and witty. Oh my god, I love him. But anyway, shout um, out to Dan Levy. Shout out to hey Dan. <laughs> I just and Shit's Creek was such genius. But anyway, we are far afield. 
let me bring it back to other masturbators. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean. All right. Next jerk off, please. I mean, Dan, I mean, if you know. Wow. Yeah. I mean, not I that it's a bad it. thing in private, but it's just right. like, don't do it on your you would, Zoom You're call. telling him, basically, Dan, I would be a consenting adult. I would consent to watching Dan. <laughs> So wow, that's pretty. That's a little peek into your private life. There. I mean, All right. <laughs> but who among us wouldn't? Uh, me. Um, well, the women. Oh. One of the things that you don't hear us talk about a lot, but was a very important part of the early stages of this podcast, the war on science. Right. Great arc. Mm-hmm. My favorite arc, I think. Yeah, I think, except for maybe the 80s music arc. Mm-hmm. But I love the war on science stuff we did. We did Flat Earth. Mm-hmm. We did Anti-Vax. Mm-hmm. We did Boob Juice, which is probably one of our best episodes of all time, if not the best. <laughs> well, it was the best cold open. They go down, to, so they go to her garage or their basement or wherever they have all their refrigerators, and she opens it up. And I don't know if you remember seeing The Matrix when they unveil the armory and all these thousands and thousands of guns are flying by them. This is what it's like in her refrigerator. She opens it up and it's like, you know, like a bat cave of boob milk. <laughs> Just wall to wall frozen parcels of milk. I don't, it boob looks juice. like. I really and, like and boob thing, juice. Yeah, and the thing is. They're using it in all their cooking. The kids drink it exclusively, from what I can tell. She's donating it to milk banks. She's selling it online. And yet, she has a thousand gallons of milk in her basement. What is going on with this woman? Oh, my God. Is this some kind of superpower? husband is like i think her husband's just like you know what i had no choice i just had to get into it so um you you guys want an omelet (laughs) can you imagine the camera crew there like they're filming the guy's like hey you want some eggs and they're like you know what bro um what else did we do do we was that it uh essential oil oh essential oils also you know we we dragged those bitches as well which bitches that would be dr z right dr fucking z the Z's. These bitches. I don't even know where to begin with these assholes. Well, describe them for us. Um, she is a former yeah. beauty queen, and she has been a contestant in the Miss Americas. All right, here we are in the kitchen with Mama Z. Yes. We're going to talk all about the essential oil supplies and everything that you need in order to make your own products. I competed from the time I was 17 to 24 in the Miss America competition. I just, I loved it. I loved the development. I loved what it did for my career. One thing I I didn't expect was that um, all that speaking I was doing, I didn't know it was also preparing me for what I would do with my husband. All right. So, so let's talk about Dr. Z. Let's go into detail. First of all, these guys come across as definitely members of some kind of religious cult, right? Well, it's a religious cult starring him. Yeah. But, As a I mean, leader, and he says, I actually consider Natural Living Family a for-profit ministry. But they're exactly what you'd expect from a cult. Pretty little kids. Pretty not, wife. Yeah. Not 30 IQ points between the lot of them, but <laughs> whatever. No, I mean, oh, and, and that's, that's a joke fair. because they are definitely obviously smart because they've Somebody they've here is smart because they thousands have, of people into buying into their bullshit. Because he has a seven-figure fortune. Yeah. Whereas mine is approaching... Four figures. Oh, whatever. <laughs> She's terrible. 
Because I feel like she is hideously fake with all of the makeup yeah. and all of the false you know eyelashes. You what she is? And I, and I joke, and I called her the Carol Baskin of essential oils. Mm-hmm. But I already used the Carol Baskin joke on the the flat earth chick. Yes. You know what she really is? It. You know what she really is? What the is? Tammy Faye Baker of essential oil. Yes, she is. That's even better. Thank you. That's the best. The I'm very Tammy, good at the analogies. The Tammy Faye Baker of essential oils. Mark said it. I'm repeating yeah. it. Let's continue on Dr. Z because he is the one that gets dangerous. Right. He Dr. Z promising things. and Lady Z or whatever the no. fuck her name is. Mama Z. Yeah, whatever. That, they are running oh my God. essential oil slash evangelical slash spiritual bullshit cult of personality empire. All right? right. So they don't actually sell oil. No, they don't. What the Food and Drug Administration has done in the United States has made it illegal, actually illegal, to make any sort of medical claims associated with essential oils if you're selling an essential oil. And so that's one reason why we don't sell essential oils. So the thing about disease that really bothers me is that they are actually dangerous. They're not only obnoxious and I hate them just because they're smug and assholes, they are actually literally dangerous. I'm going to uh, refer to them henceforth as disease. <laughs> disease. <laughs> just so you know. <laughs> That's excellent. Okay, because here's why they're disease extreme. are bad they're they're terrible and 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 here's why because he is making all kinds of claims that essential oils can cure cancer they're like i stumbled i stumbled i heard that how many times i've stumbled upon your stuff no you didn't stumble god directed you to my stuff god knew what you needed and he showed you and many people ask can essential oils cure cancer well i'll get crucified for this I've seen documentation. I've seen the reports. They had cancer. They use essential oils. Now they don't have cancer. How am I going to say that's not possible? Right. So he doesn't really make the claims out loud, but he does them in a very thinly veiled and laughably disguised way, right? Like, hey, the FDA won't let us say that this cures cancer, but... But I have plenty of anecdotal evidence that it cures cancer. I mean, there's no testing. There's no nothing stories you know people are led to him and that's the other thing it's all wrapped up in god and everything else and 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 people are led to them and um stumble upon them and then they say well i started using your essential oils ideas and not the ones that they sell because they won't sell them right because the as as we just heard the fda won't allow people who sell oils to make claims about disease or right. the curative effects. Get it? And disease. 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 There was a miss in that episode. Yeah? What did we leave out? I left something out that Dr. Z said. I got to say, my wife and I, we're just as real as anyone else is. People can relate to us, and that's it. We're not trying to pretend like we're something that we're not. You know, we keep our prices so affordable. I mean, our most expensive masterclass is $77 for digital access. Like, anyone can afford that. Even if you're on food stamps, government assistance. Hey, stop drinking Starbucks for two weeks in a row, and there's 75 bucks. That's our masterclass. And I want you to join me on this journey. I believe God has a solution for you. As you can see... That bitch-ass bitch. I should never have left that out of the episode. Editorial choices are made. Well, you know, you do what you have to do. All right, we need to also talk about a 
thing that has kind of been a thread throughout many of our episodes. Mark's sexiness. Um... Not as much as you might Not exactly what I was going for. Uh, Is it the Zod thread? Well, that's also there, but no. Okay. What is something that you are very passionate about online? Uh, White nationalism. Yes, girl! I hate those guys. I think that there are white nationalists. I don't think every Republican is a white nationalist. No, not every one of them, but a significant portion of America is white nationalists. (laughs) Which was the point of our episode. About 30%. Which is called... Mark versus white nationalists. Mark versus white nationalists. It's slightly less weird than Joe versus the volcano. In the same way that you take a broad brush and say that anybody who votes for Trump is semi-racist. Well, that overstates it a little, but we can leave that hanging for a while. Uh Sure. Here's the thing. You can speak in generalities about a group. What you ought not do is then take that generality and impose it on an individual. Uh So I can say, for example, that... uh, Whatever. Ronald Reagan supporters are cons- were conservative. Well, by and large, they were. But that does not mean that if you took every single person who voted for Ronald Reagan, lined him up and walked up to one of them and said, you must be a conservative, that you're going to be right. Right? You could be very wrong about the individual, still generally correct about the group, but wrong about the individual. And that's Kind of the principle I feel that people should use in many different areas where you can generalize about a group when it's useful. I mean, obviously, you know, not when it's discriminatory or horrible or whatever or inaccurate, but you can generalize about a group, but then you must judge the individual as an individual. Mm-hmm. Well, I I take um, issue when you make those kinds of statements. Have you considered taking umbrage? <laughs> I was going to say umbrage. I would like for you to take umbrage. <laughs> it's a little spicier. You know what I mean? It's a little, it's got a little bit more kick to it. But I, I no, well, so I, I have, I have an issue with, with you doing that. And I've, I've expressed it because I think it's unfair. I think that there are, certainly I agree with you that somebody who is a white nationalist is is probably not going to vote for the Democratic candidate. I understand that. I understand that they will probably b- vote for the conservative candidate or the Republican candidate. I get it. Keep in mind, I did not say that all conservatives are racist or that all Republicans are racist. No, you said anybody. You have uh, you're on record in last week's podcast. The vast majority of Trump's core supporters are in one way or another you know, uh, on the same page as white nationalism. They're white nationalists. You also said that anybody who supports Trump in this election is okay with a certain amount of racism. Sure, because he's exhibited a certain amount of racism. In fact, he's exhibited an exorbitant amount of racism, and that's a lot of exhiba uh, words right in a row there. (laughs) But he's, he's shown himself to be a, not just a casual racist, right? Not like uh, you know, uh, of the patrician New Englander type of, of racist. He's shown himself to be a pretty virulent racist, right? I mean, particularly particularly after the uh, the Minnesota speech about good genes. And, yeah, right. And, but he know. even before that, right? 
Are this you saying president, you can't suspend for a moment? You want your party to win. Right. In order for your party to win, you go, God, this guy's a dick, and I don't stand for anything that he stands for, but I want my party to hold on to the White House. Right. And I'm not talking about even necessarily, and there may be some few who kind of hold their nose and like, look, all I really care about is the Supreme Court or whatever, right? But you ha those people have to realize that they are now willing to tolerate a fair amount of racist behavior in order to get what they want politically. Besides that, we have had some amazing guests prior to the election with one of Mark's old college friends. Yeah, Mike Kimsey. Mike Kimsey and my friend, Lore. Um, and we all discussed the idea of we were none of us except for Mark. The rest of us were kind of like, we hate both parties yeah, and we and want the, something. That was the name of the episode. And we dove into the idea that maybe something different might happen. And I wonder if now is the time that we're going to see something happen like the disintegration of the Republican Party. And I think then we may see the rise of a, of a new party that will be addressing more centrist issues. Uh, first of all, neither the Republican nor Democrat Party are going to either implode, disintegrate, or die anytime in the foreseeable future. They're just way too entrenched. And as Christina rightly pointed out, the way we vote, the winner-take-all model, is almost always going to yield a two-party. What those two parties are, you know, is it can vary, but I don't think we're going to see a bull moose party, you know, rise up anytime soon. I would also argue that the Democratic Party is not very far left, not compared to the rest of the world. Biden's not a Biden's not a progressive, right? He's he's at a He's a fairly conservative or at least moderate liberal. I would argue that the two-party system has some benefits, and those benefits are largely it keeps the country from swinging from policy to policy. Uh, it keeps the, uh, the rhetoric and the policies pretty close to the center. Obviously, you know, it's all relative, right? We think that, uh, you know, uh, having social socialized medicine is a huge radical change, right? The rest of the world doesn't. Uh, I would, I think that the two-party system is built for consistency and economic growth. So it's it's boring. It is hard to get uh, to filter down to individual needs sometimes, but it's built for success for the country overall, for the economy overall. Yeah, I can see that. That seems like a natural progression, particularly with the Constitution that we have. Yeah. Um, you know, with, and particularly with the winner take all. I, mean, I think we're just, yeah, we're, I mean, we're lamenting it in, in the sense that the loudest people out there, which tend to be on the extremes, are the ones who get the attention in the primaries. So you get a lot of promises towards these extremes. I mean, we, we saw that in the VP debate where they're trying to figure out what, what is it that, you know, the Biden Harris or <clears throat> team is promising. And, you know, we don't know. It's like we're not Trump. Just vote for us. We'll be okay. Now I, I just I just feel like we, we don't get our best candidates. I mean, I mean, just look who they put out. I mean, I, I never would have imagined. Nobody would have imagined Trump winning. I mean, and to me, Trump winning speaks more about both parties than it does about Trump. Uh, I mean, just how disillusioned most people in this country must have been 
to elect somebody like Trump. And and look who the Democratic Party put forward for their candidate. But I don't think it was a nice guy. I think it's an act. And they still put him forward. The guy is cannot think right now. And they still put him forward as a candidate. That's insane. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, they needed they knew that they needed a strong candidate to beat Trump, right, because of his popularity with the Republican Party, which basically has not fallen off that much, a little bit like boomers are voting uh, a good proportion of the percentage of the boomers who voted for Trump are disillusioned. And now that they're now they're going to be voting for Biden, um, according to the polls. And um, and yet, you know, the the best we could come up with was someone who is clearly only a one term president if he is elected. And we're hoping he lives for that. Right. So we're basically voting for Kamala. The DNC made so many mistakes in 2016, and we were really hoping they would get their shit together before 2020, and they sure as hell did not. And I think it's just because Trump is such a freaking train wreck that uh, Biden is going to win, and Biden at least seems like the safer option. And I agree with you, uh, Mark, that he is more centrist. I truly believe that the Republicans are a dry, dying breed. There are younger, you know, Republicans coming up, but disproportionately so compared to independent and Democrat. And so when that when that generation, the greatest generation, the boomers who still vote for Trump, when they die off, it's going to change things unless the Republican Party changes. I also disagree with you when you say that the policies don't shift very much. The first thing Trump did was come in and reverse all of Obama's policies that he put in place. And so that's where you, you swing the pendulum to the right, and then we're going to swing it back to the left, because the first thing that they're going to do when Biden gets elected, and I'm saying when, because he is getting elected, is that he is going to reverse all of Trump's policies. And I wholeheartedly believe they're going to stack the Supreme Court. I mean, they have to. The, the Republicans have just gone back on their word. From 2016, they have completely, you know, we've got this extremely conservative court. We have Barrett, who is as ridiculously far right as you could possibly have for a judge. I mean, she's fucking scary. And we have to counter that because otherwise we are losing our rights. And then we had probably one of our greatest guests of all time, where we did our long-awaited, much ballyhooed, <laughs> and the much re-recorded, much re-recorded <laughs> episodes on Dungeons and Dragons. Oh, we so had good. the inimitable Dave Conger on for those two episodes, he which involved ex- about eight separate recording <laughs> sessions because we ex- kept fucking it up. He was extraordinarily patient. There was it was a fun, fun episode, which has actually, as time has gone on, gained in popularity. Oh, it's one of our most it's, popular. Ones. It's one of our most popular. What episodes. we did was we discuss. We had one episode where we just kind of discussed the history and the uh, kind of the sociology of Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, and the satanic panic around it. Correct. And then we actually played a we, short in episode. That, in that first episode we played some. Yeah. In the second episode, thanks to a listener who came to our Facebook page. And said more gameplay, more less gameplay. talky talky. Everybody stop talking about satanic panic. 
Everybody play, play some fucking D and D. D and D. So uh, the setting is between the uh, city of Silvery Moon, which is an elven stronghold, and the uh, outpost of Sunderbar, the small city of Sunderbar. You're going through uh, a mountainous terrain uh, with uh, forest on uh, either side, and it's uh, early winter, so it's not you know sloppy with snow, but it's definitely cold as fuck. And there are patches of, you know, snow clinging to the rocks because you're, you're at an elevation of a couple thousand feet. And you're on a uh, rocky path. It's probably the least pleasant part of this journey. And that's really saying something because earlier in your journey, uh, you lost three carts in your caravan to uh, part of the path breaking away. And they just slid off the mountain never to be seen again. So we're a little low on food and we are cranky. Let's just say that. You two do not know each other, but you at least know each other's names because you've been uh, riding in this caravan in the same wagon for a number of days. Uh, so you're at least passing familiar uh, so far. Your wagon driver is named Basil. He is not the sharpest tool in the shed, but he's affable and uh, seems to have a fairly good way with the horses. Unfortunately for you, he's also very much of a chatterbox. So he is constantly asking you about uh, yourselves because, I mean, he doesn't meet a ranger or an elf very often. As we pick up our story, it is uh, late afternoon and uh, you're clattering down this kind of, it's a, it's a fairly wide avenue, you know, it's a good 25, 30 feet wide. Um, but there are, of course, rocks uh, and cracks everywhere. So uh, Basil's doing his best to uh, avoid those. He, uh, as we're clattering down, he's, uh, you guys doing all right back there? It's a bit bumpy, in it? So to your left, we're at a sort of a narrow spot in the road. So to your left is just, you know, rocky surface, some scrub brush, uh, bits of snow hanging onto some ledges. And to your right, it's about 10 feet of road and then empty space. So this is, you know, it's a little hairy. Uh, if you have a fear of heights, don't look down. And uh, you see there are a number of guards uh, stationed ahead, trying to direct the wagons away from some of the sketchier parts of the path. Uh, as you come around a bend, Basil begins to, of course, chatter again. He said, well, that was not that bad. I mean, you know, we've got through it, didn't we? And then he chokes, coughs, and an arrow sprouts from the side of his throat. So he, he topples over. You hear screams up ahead. Basil falls with the reins for the horses still in his hand, and the horses bolt. And I honestly, that was one of my favorite episodes to uh, do. It really was a fun episode. Mark actually took a really uh, most in most episodes. Mark just shows up and talks. <laughs> wow! Yeah, minimize my contribution. No, Thank I'm you. not. Dungeons and Dungeons Dragons. Dragons. I did take the lead. He did, and he created this game, and we had such a ball. Yeah. All right. So you've gotten a little bit of a, a retrospective of our uh, library. Of episodes. Or canon, yes, if you will. If, yeah, we, and you should. But if any of those episodes sounded intriguing, go to your favorite uh, podcast uh, source. Apple or Amazon or Google or Stitcher. And uh, listen to it. And then give us some feedback. 
You know, we have a Facebook group, which is a great community. We have a lot of fun there. No judgment, no criticism, just fun. And uh, so find us on Extemporaneous on Facebook. Also, Christina has put a lot of work into this, and I think it's really taking shape. We have a TikTok now, which, I mean, I know you feel like, oh, you know, whatever, I'm a Gen Xer. Oh, if you're Gen X, you fucking belong on TikTok. You should be. I'm telling there's you. There's so much great content there you guys, for you. We were the first ones doing videos. We love them. Now you have a chance. You have a phone. You have the opportunity to do a video in your hand. Do it. Yeah. Everyone. Just have some fun. Put it God, out there. Get it out there. If and you then... have a TikTok, uh, let us know what it is. Ours is extemporaneous. So uh, it's a lot of fun. Uh, if you make one, even if you never, ever, ever post a video and you're just watching videos, add us and we'll add you back. We would love to interact there. We have a lot of fun doing them. Uh, it's just little tiny concentrated bursts of us. You know, check us out. Thank you very much. Uh, hello, we have not resolved our frame story. I knocked you out with a hat. Yeah, so now now somehow I have to be revived or, you know, there has to be some resolution. So how right. are you going to do that? Hang on. Everyone, hang on. Here I go. I'm coming to revive Mark. Wow, that really did hurt a little bit. All right, so uh, not only have I been knocked out with a hat, I had the shit smacked out of me at the end of this long and arduous podcast. Mark has been revived by my hands. And now the podcast can go on. (laughs) And uh, this whole episode was just a dream. (laughs) All right, everyone. Thanks for listening. Come back and see us again. Peace out, Cub Scouts.